0: I'm Afton. And I'm Anna. And And this this is Grits. Grits. Join us in reclaiming what it means to be girls raised in the South. Mm -hmm.
1: So let's get gritty.
0: (laughs) All right, (laughs) (laughs) we're
1: back. It has been a two-month hiatus. Prior to this podcast, I was trying to think of activities and exercises that could have occurred within two months. You you could have walked about one-fourth of the Appalachian Trail. Mm, interesting. <laughs> you could have written a short story and probably <laughs> self-published it and got a book deal off of that. You could have also converted c- to Catholicism, got married, and got it an annulled all within two months. So here we are. <laughs> Any Anna,
0: just any uh, beginning thoughts before we jump in? Yeah, I'm glad to be back. Two months is a lot quicker than you think. First of
1: all, our moms were yelling at us. I I don't know. Did you? Did your mom text you? Yes. Okay, so I've seen my mom at least two to three times, and each time she'd get in my face and say, when's the new pod coming out? Often, when's the new pod coming out? And then subtle subtle gifts that she would send with my mail or, you know, a gift certificate or 20 bucks to go to lunch, and she would subtly put in something that had a pineapple emblem, which I took to mean,
0: hey, you need to get your shit together and record an <laughs> episode. Uh, what about your mom? Yeah, I've been feeling the pressure. Um <laughs> You know, the follow-through, I, I'm big on ideas, not so much on the actual follow-through. When it Big comes on inputs,
1: to- <laughs> not so big on outputs.
0: <laughs> exactly. The <laughs> output part is just, something happens and, you know. Well, we've had a lot
1: going on. Uh, oh, yeah. I have had a lot of drama unfold the, the past couple weeks, uh, and by weeks I mean two months, and uh, one of the exciting pieces of drama in my life has uh, materialized into a new job, and I'm really, really excited. It is, I think, my dream job, kind of getting out in the community and talking to people, registering voters, Um, and, you know, the new job transition, I must be doing something right because, uh, as we talked about in the last or two podcasts ago, uh, Diane Black started following me on Twitter. Uh, as you know, she's the Republican, one of the Republican gubernatorial nominees, who is my arch nemesis, a.k.a. I personify her as a character called Diane Antoinette and we will post that in the show notes for those of you who have not seen me dressed up as Marie Antoinette uh, in a full, full regalia in rural Tennessee. Anyways, uh, I must be doing something right with the new job because the lieutenant governor Randy McNally started following me on Twitter, <laughs> adding to my base. Uh, and so I have decided that if Marsha Blackburn, who is running for Senate, who is... How would you describe Marsha Blackburn?
0: She is, like, the definition of extreme right wing. <laughs> <laughs> she is so grossly
1: incompetent. Her first job was an image consultant at the Cool Springs Galleria Mall in Franklin, Tennessee. So she would stand outside JCPenney and recruit Brentwood Trophy wives for makeovers and to throw some clothes on them from Ralph Lauren and say, (laughs) hey, you're a new person. She revitalized the Williamson County women's Republican party and climbed her way up to be a federal house representative. And now she is in the back pocket of AT&T and thinks net neutrality is a joke. Um, anyway, so I've decided that if she friends me, I'm going to throw a party and everyone on the podcast, all the griddles and listeners out there are invited. So there we go. And then uh, just a quick funny story that happened to me the other day, uh, which I thought you'd get a kick out of, Anna. So we have someone at my previous job who is a Jesuit volunteer, and every year the Jesuits uh, convene a group of volunteers that spend the whole year living in poverty and volunteering at various nonprofits in their cities, and they're spread all throughout the country. And and one of those JVs uh, was placed at our previous organization. And lo and behold, uh, worlds colliding, flat-faced dogs and nonprofit world. Um, <laughs> they, a firefighter, stopped by their house one day and asked if they could babysit their his his bulldog named Norman. And so Norman has been a staple at the Jesuit Volunteer House. And Hannah finally convinced me to come over and see him. Convincing is a strong word. I have been uh, just busy. And obviously Bulldogs are my number one priority in my life right now. So I was, you know, I pulled up. Uh, I, I saw a lot of, there was a lot of, you know, hoarding going on on the front porch. And I thought, oh, you know, the JVs, they don't have a lot of storage. All the stuff's on the on the front porch. And people
0: give them stuff and
1: come back yeah, and drop right. things mean, off. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. And, you know, neighborhoods, I'm sure people feel sorry for them. They're living in poverty, so they're just like, "Here's my hockey stick, enjoy." So I walk up and and the door is unlocked, and I un, you know I open it, I walk in, and I just scream, "Norman!" Look to my left, there is a couple in their <laughs> mid fifties sitting on the couch.
0: I hope they're listening. <laughs>
1: I'm gonna stop by and give them the link to the podcast so I can tell this story and they can verify it for accuracy. Um, they stood up and 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 they were so cordial and you know hospitable and and I looked at them you know looked back at the kitchen looked at them and said, uh, "This isn't the Jesuit Volunteer House, is it?" <laughs> they responded, "No." And I said, okay, I will be. I'll be showing myself out. They said, nice <laughs> to meet you. It's three houses down. I said, okay. Anyways, Norman is the cutest. We'll put a picture of him. Uh, we'll get a picture of him in the in the um, notes. But he he was actually on bed rest for a while because he had surgery. He had a facelift. Yeah, he had bulldogs have facelift. It's a thing. You know, they have a support group. Don't judge them. Thank you.
0: Okay, mm-hmm. Anna, uh, what do you got going on? So, got to be life, race this weekend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my life is not as exciting, but uh, the long-awaited half marathon mm-hmm. is this weekend.
1: You have been. You
0: have been practicing for a long. Practicing is that what you call running? Well, I guess training. I tra- don't know. Training. But there we go. Th- the thing is, is that you know, working full time, pretending to do a podcast. Things like this get in the way of an actual training regimen. So I've been trying my hardest, but, you know, I'm just aiming to finish. So I'm excited. But I've been really, really proud of you. You've been (laughs) very
1: diligent and regimented in your running, and I'm I'm, just—I couldn't be more proud.
0: Oh, Every time you. I see you
1: you're in workout clothes. Whereas I live in workout clothes, you actually work out and run in and workout clothes.
0: <laughs> yeah, I try I try to make myself, but at this point I'm kind of like ready for it to be over just so that I can like not think about it anymore. But you know, I enjoy running. And also, lately my whole world has evolved around training, eating, watching American Idol. <laughs> Which is a little sad. It's a little sad. Um, particularly because I, like, go on the Facebook and I see the comments, and literally every person is racist and homophobic. So it's a little hard. Oh,
1: Okay, hold on. For those of us who have not watched American Idol since 2001.
0: I haven't either. Okay. In what? my defense, this is the first Wait. season I've watched since I was young.
1: So what season are they
0: on? 100. Is it like it's the like now? Well they it's they went away. It got it got canceled and then it came back. So who so who are gone. the judges now? Um Katy Perry, Luke Bryan, and Lionel Richie. So yeah, it, it's really it's really entertaining, but I'm not the usual demographic for <laughs> American Idol apparently. Um, but I've been enjoying it a lot and I felt like I had more in common with you. A couple oh. weeks ago. Oh. After I drove. could
1: be a lot of things. It could be a whole host of things. <laughs>
0: um, I drove outside of Davidson County, if you can believe it. Oh. I've only ever been to Memphis and Nashville, and that's pretty much it. I'm uh-huh. Well, Franklin and, and you know, <laughs> the Nashville area.
1: Yes, Williamson County, the wealthiest county in Tennessee. It was quite... Quite the adventure for Anna Walton. What's your middle name? I don't even know. Catherine. Oh,
0: Anna Catherine Walton. Yeah. So I don't don't get out much. You know, if I'm going to leave town, like, I go home or to Alex's place or vacation or anything like that. So, um, but I went to Cheatham County to... uh, For those of
1: you listening on the pod, that is a very rural county.
0: (laughs) It was interesting. And I had the pleasure of having a teenage boy stand in front of our table and burp while staring straight in the eyes for over 5 seconds and then say sorry and walk away and it was it made my day welcome to cheatham county and i, I was just hunt. like i'm really getting out of my shell i'm i'm quite introverted and this was a test for me this was this was a test being at this little children's carnival Resource fair in and, rural Tennessee and, rural In rural Cheatham County. Face. Yeah, and I got. Would you I go back?
1: Would you write a Yelp review mm. for Cheatham County, Tennessee?
0: Well, they gave us free food, so yes, I would. <laughs> okay. I had a lot of dominance. ladies and
1: gentlemen. Free food. That's is the all it takes.
0: That all it. Ta- that's all it takes. Um, so I think it's about time that we get into our content for today. And Afton, will you start us off? All right. So today, uh, two months later. <laughs> <laughs> We're really
1: sorry about that. You the would way. think we would be really prepared after 2 months, but We are the most prepared today that we have ever been. That's true. We so we're going to talk about why healthcare is so expensive in the United States. I'm going to brief us on a bit of the history regarding healthcare in the US and where Tennessee fits into that picture. And then Anna is going to provide the clip's notes about uh, the plans that are now circulating in the ether about how to improve our healthcare system, which includes Bernie's plan. Anna is not a Bernista, but I'm trying to convert her slowly but surely. You know, I just I need to send her more memes of Bernie mm-hmm. um, out and about, and I think that'll help her out. So, um, okay, so a little bit about a background about the healthcare industry in the United States. So, before So everything starts uh, before World War II. Uh, Healthcare was like the wild, wild west, okay? It was... There was lots going on, um, and... A lot of women were providing, you know, it was a family affair. So women were providing health care. There weren't, you know, health care providers in the sense that we understand them now.
0: Um, and not many people needed it because it was a family. It, it was more palliative than actual uh, acute care that was needed. Medicine as a science wasn't really developed the way that you think it is now. Um, you think mm. of it now. But, yes, it was more community-driven, family-driven, palliative care, which means just comfort care, not necessarily medical interventions to save lives. But if people needed
1: a tooth pulled, it was
0: fee-for-service.
1: So they would go in, they'd pay for the tooth being pulled, and it wasn't that expensive, and they'd leave. There was also a lot of uh, federal taxes— provided for in, indigent care. So taking care for the least of these, the people that really needed it in society. So it was a lot of churches jumping in, social workers, you know, social work as the profesh, um, as a profession um, got its start in kind of this charity care model as well.
0: World War II breaks out, and here's the deal. Well, in the beginning. So before that, so hospitals oh, had kind of started. I just wanted to sure, add just in. preface with this. Hospitals had started to form, um, and they were... Less likely to provide care to poor, to poor people the way that it had been provided previously by communities because they started to become more like businesses and they started to rely mm. more on this fee for service model that Afton had talked about. Got it. <laughs> so going into World War Two, men
1: are flocking to serve in in the war. But unfortunately for businesses, that was a bad deal because people, they weren't left to, you know, maintain the the family business, the small business they had at home. So businesses wanted to increase salaries. Well, that would have caused inflation. It was a big deal for the U.S. economy at the time. So FDR actually froze wages as um, a national mandate. So what did they do? Well, as businesses, they are very... Industrious. industrious. Thank you, Anna. Yes. And they decided, I don't know why I'm speaking in a Dracula accent, <laughs> but they decided to offer, now it's French. So we have gone oh, from Transylvania this, to yeah. France. We are still in Europe. We will move to the American South eventually. Uh, <laughs> they decided to make their benefits pretty competitive. And so they offered really generous health care. So that is why we finally shifted to a more employer, well, actually the employer-based model that we have uh, nationally right now. So then it just became more baked into our system as in 1943, the IRS declared that uh, employer-based insurance was tax-exempt. So therefore, employers didn't have to pay taxes on it.
0: So w- so once employer benefits became tax-exempt, it incentivized employers. Employers to add them, even more. So then, that just it just skyrocketed. In the '40s, um, we went from basically very few people having employer benefits for health insurance to almost all of workers, all the workers in America having employer-based insurance. Probably as a proportion more than we have now. Wow. Um, we probably have more gross people covered under employer-sponsored insurance, but previously, you know, it was mainly men leading the household in the workforce um, that didn't go to the war or were coming back from the war and getting these jobs with health benefits. And actually, the cost of the tax exemption it um, it to the government is $260 billion in foregone revenue, which that's more than the cost of the Affordable Care Act.
1: So to put it in perspective... We as taxpayers are paying a lot of money, even though we don't think we are, because some of our employers totally pay for our health insurance. But to the government, it's a huge loss of compensation. Is that right? Yes. And so that's money that can be used to what? Pay for (laughs) healthcare. (laughs) Healthcare. Okay. (laughs) So then why why is healthcare so expensive right now? Well, there's a few reasons. One, the rising price of services. So on average, we, as Americans, we pay higher prices for medical services when you compare us to other developed industrialized countries, and that includes hospitalization, doctor's visit, and, of course, prescription drug Uh Additionally, administrative costs, um, as Anna will talk about later, uh, the administrative costs that it comes to dealing with insurance companies, which is the third party uh, in all of this, is... It, quite a hefty bill. Um, we also as a country and I'm, I'm just fascinated this because I'm, I think I'm a Buddhist at heart, but we, we, we tend to pathologize and, 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 and pathologize everyday life. Is that, yeah. Like instead of saying, Oh, you know, you're dehydrated, you have a headache, you're dehydrated. And, and then you, you know, you run, you go to the doctor and they say, Oh, you're diagnosed for migraines. Here's the prescription for that. That's mm-hmm. pathologizing. Yeah. I mean it's they really don't take into consideration the holistic point of view of medicine, which is what Eastern cultures do. And so that specialization and that pathologization um it ends up driving costs up. Additionally, uh as you know, I'm not a physician, but I can imagine doctors are really afraid to get sued. So therefore their malpractice insurance is extremely expensive and we are paying for that indirectly. Do you anything to say about that?
0: Yeah, that's actually such an interesting topic. And I took a few classes in college about medical errors and, and I mean, I took a lot of classes about healthcare in general in college, and we touched a lot on iatrogenic effects, and which is when um, they're... Okay. <laughs> That's another word, it another word. Break it down That's another word for Every time Anna says
1: a big word or a phrase that no one I know on the pod understands, I'm going to say, break it down now. Break it down now.
0: Break it down now. Basically, doctors are humans. Medicine is not really a science. It's a practice. Mm-hmm. You know? It, you learn. You no one doctor has the answer to every clinical decision ever as much as yeah. some would maybe think that they do i know doctors are really afraid of making mistakes because mistakes happen they happen to everyone and there and and there's some
1: really advanced technical tools that really i mean i'm sure case.
0: right right and and there's some really cool um there's some really cool interventions like the checklist manifesto from atul Gwande, um where he talks about like all the all the steps that you're supposed to take to, to ensure that you're making less errors and that has really shown some really good results and everything. And I know doctors have uh, quite a hefty price to pay for medical malpractice insurance. Um, but at the same time, there's so many mistakes in healthcare. Mm. Like that is just a fact that's happening. And there's so many conversations we can have about that. And so many different reasons, blaming specific people, or specific professions is not productive. I don't think at all. Um, and particularly like, it's not going to change overnight. So like, what can we do step-by-step Checklist manifesto, things like that. What can we do incrementally to make that better? But at the same time, that leads to, you know, the cost of the medical practice insurance is baked in. There's these very defensive, legal and administrative um, forces in private healthcare that are trying to protect the doctors and protect their profit margins. That oftentimes can leave the consumer feeling um, not represented. Not represented. Yeah. yeah.
1: I wonder what's going to happen with autonomous like as soon as kind of
0: oh pre- there's like precision medicine right. and some other I mean, things about about they're talking about you it's know really cool. like
1: you know car insurance will become obsolete eventually with autonomous vehicles and I wonder how that's going to kind of infiltrate the the um, health insurance sector. Um okay, and another reason why health insurance is so expensive in the US is because of This is the Espanol pronunciation. It's drogas. As we all know, pharmaceutical companies, my number one enemy besides Diane Black, so number two. So, for example, programs in the U.S. like... uh, So, Medicare, which insures the elderly. um, The Medicare Part D, the government said that they can't negotiate... The program can't negotiate drug prices with the pharmaceutical industry. This past weekend, I... As I said, Anna and I are trying to revitalize grits after two months. And so as a motivation, I signed up for the Craft Content Conference, which was in Nashville and featured podcasters and those who create digital content and people who are trying to get their their work out there on the internet. So I'm sitting in one of the sessions. I look to my right, there's a beautiful blonde girl. Uh, and I'm just, you know, looking her up and down. Not you know what I mean. Just Fine. Okay. Well, whatever. Checking her out. Yeah. You know. Sure. We do that uh, like dogs, except we don't sniff each other's butts. So I look down at her name tag. It says Blackburn. Lo and behold, five minutes later, I am knee deep in far- the pharmaceutical industry because she is the daughter in law of the wonderful AT and T representative, Marsha Blackburn. Whew, man alive! And if you dig deep, here's <laughs> here's the best part. She founded and hosts her own podcast called "Talk to a Pharmacist." She's director of pharmacy at a nonprofit that redistributes pharmaceuticals across the state. And you know, you just you just can't. As I said, I texted to Anna and I said, "You just can't make this shit up." <laughs> She's the daughter-in-law of Marcia Blackburn, who is. You know, has received more donations from the pharmaceutical industry for her 2016 and 2018 campaign, and she is the host of a podcast called "Talk to You." not
0: Oh God! Come down to the south. It's like the parole boards. <laughs> They're all in the same. Anyway, we'll okay, talk whole, about that another time. That's a whole time. other Criminal podcast. Justice
1: podcast. Parole boards. Don't even get Anna started on parole boards. Okay. So the healthcare industry in Tennessee, we're just going to give, I know, you know, a lot of our, one of, I'd say one of our, two of our five listening people that listen to us are in Tennessee, so we will give some (laughs) Tennessee-specific information. So less than half of Tennesseans are insured through their employer. So Anna and I kind of walked you through that employer-based insurance has taken, you know, has assumed kind of this prominent role in the healthcare industry in our country. So less than half of Tennesseans are insured through their employers. We discussed this in a previous podcast, but a few of the gubernatorial candidates on the Republican side, you know, indicate that Tennesseans should just work
0: harder. They should find insurance through their companies. But as we discussed, that's just not an option. Um, And it's less and less of an option for the businesses as well. Like my parents are small business owners health insurance is so expensive for employers and employees alike. And it's not – it's like a lose-lose situation. So I don't blame any employers for not offering insurance. I don't think the solution is for, you know, for businesses to buck up and start paying for health insurance for people. It is is a lose-lose situation.
1: Another thing about Tennessee is that uh, we – we are in the top ten for medical bankruptcies in the country. Nearly one in three Tennesseans had outstanding medical debt. And a lot of it has to do with with our workforce. We have across Tennessee, we have workers that have hourly jobs that don't necessarily offer insurance, as we said. And the state also has higher rates of chronic diseases like heart disease and obesity, which require really expensive long-term care. And I also think it's <laughs> it cracks me up because you know, as I'm, I'm really close with a lot of people running for office. And so I'm caught, co- you know, they're sending me information about their opponent and at the state and federal level and all of the Republican and these, con- you know, these really conservative candidates, they talk about that the government needs to play a limited role. The government needs to, the government needs, we need less government. We need less government. We need, we need to shrink government and drown it in a bathtub as our, pre- as my previous boss, Gordon Bonningman said. But here's the deal. When I was abroad and I had roommates from France and Bulgaria and uh, Germany, the government is the police force. The government is on the front lines for the, their people. And they are negotiating prices for with the pharmaceutical companies, they're negotiating prices with the healthcare system and all the entities and all the providers, and they are for the people. And so, what has happened is that we, because we made government smaller and the regulation less tight, we are allowing these corporations to run rank over everyone. Am I right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think particularly in healthcare, care, um, as you said, the Wild Wild West earlier, like it has always been a, a competition between this social service element of it and, and providing for indigent Americans and and making sure that people aren't dying in our streets at the minimum, you know, and that's where the government's trying to provide that charity and which would be expected right but then on the other end it's like this these huge massive private companies and the consolidation yeah. is crazy from from healthcare. Well, they're only
1: motivated by profit
0: they don't care yes. about the people hospital assistance insurance companies pharmaceutical companies and even even what the government can do in in levying these fines like we've seen we're seeing it with the opioid crisis right now no one is paying for it and i doubt that anyone will and even you can talk about million dollar fines and billion dollar fines and all this they're going to keep going like it's not going to stop and what needs to be done is more regulation that doesn't mean more regulation for regulation's sake it means smarter consumer protection in right the form now of we regulations. don't but we
1: don't have
0: that i mean
1: that that environment just doesn't exist at this moment that people we don't have people in power that want to regulate things and want to make sure that protections for consumers are available and embedded into our system right
0: i i mean i think i think that people are better then we think they are, and then I think there's just there's just an entrenched system right now, and there is definitely a movement with these recent plans, um, and just with polling data that has come out. Um, for example, the idea, the polling question, "Let's open up Medicare to anyone who wants it," has seventy five percent support from Americans, according to. Because, because people of love medication. Medicare. My grandmother loves Medicare. My mom, who takes care of my
1: grandmother, loves Medicare.
0: Right. And, and and they don't think of it the same as federal insurance because you do pay into it over time, although you, Unlike a lot of people take more than what they pay into it. But at the same time, like we as a country have had this value of taking care of Of the least of these. Yeah. Of the elderly and those with disabilities. Who wants elderly people who have worked their entire lives to live in poverty? And many still do. Like, Medicare is not, you know, a universal fix for everyone. But Medicare does have a lot of popularity, especially compared to Medicaid, even though I would argue Medicaid is designed and operates a little bit better than Medicare. Medicare polls better because people, it's not that deserve or not deserve right. conversation that we have with it. Medicaid. Yeah.
1: Okay. So what, so we've talked about, we've talked a little bit about how employer based insurance, uh, runs rampant or is the primary method of a health insurance or primary method of primary what
0: pay or employers are the primary payer of health,
1: of health insurance in the country. Yeah. So now we're going to talk about how we can we can uh, decrease cost, and we talked about all of the the things that make health insurance really, really expensive in the U.S. And so what are some plans that are trying to change what health coverage looks like in the U.S. and to make it more affordable for the average American and average Tennessean?
0: Well, there's not a whole lot of data about how we make health care cheaper for everyone, but there is a whole lot of movement and belief in the fact that healthcare is a human right. And so based off of that, everyone in America should have access to health insurance. It doesn't mean that they don't pay. That doesn't mean that it may not be tied to, to employment mm. or something like that. Um, but I think we are getting to this point where we are realizing that most Americans are trying their best and a lot of Americans can't afford health insurance anymore. Because it's so expensive. Yeah, so... And it's also... An unsustainable cost for the federal government as well. Yeah. So, what reform options do we have on the table to right now, address right to address this? And it doesn't necessarily like I haven't seen great arguments for how these programs will just like dramatically cut costs. But we're already spending so much more than any other country with worse results. Right. So, what can it hurt yeah. to reform what we have with the same dollars? You know, so um, some plans on the table are obviously Bernie Sanders' medic. Uh, My boy. What is he calling it? Medicare for all. Yeah. Yeah. He calls it Medicare for all. And which, you know, is not actually Medicare for all. (laughs) But it is a single payer plan with the government as the single payer, as opposed to all the different payers. Government is a large payer now, but so are private insurance companies and states as well. So the Medicare for all plan would greatly expand medicare and overhaul it so that would expand the type of coverage offered and also eliminate deductibles co-pays and premiums which are a lot of the costs now and then that would be transferred to taxes so you would be taxed in exchange for what you would typically pay in a deductible co-pay, okay well, or premium. so
1: for the common folk out there what happens to insurance companies under bernie sanders plan
0: private insurance companies would not be medicare payers like right now medicare is administered by private insurance companies same with medicaid that would not be a thing under bernie sanders' plan and it would be phased in to then start subsuming more and more people based on age over time what what everyone has a question about he he's given options for how he would pay for it but it is one of the more expensive plans um, at 32 trillion over 10 years. But if you actually add up, if you were to wipe our health, health insurance system and then have everyone with Medicare for all, mm-hmm. eventually it would be cheaper. But the idea of wiping the whole system
1: that people stand a profit for it. Okay. So how does that differ from the Medicare extra for all plan?
0: So Medicare extra for, Extra plan is the plan created by the Center for American Progress, which is like a left-leaning. I would tank. say, yeah, one of the leading. Not
1: a fringe liberal organization. Beacon Center. If anyone listening <laughs> from the Beacon Center, uh, we, my previous organization, is not a liberal fringe organization. You are the conservative fringe organization. <laughs> okay, uh, for all of the those of you who are not from Tennessee, the Beacon Center is a Koch Brothers vehicle think tank in Tennessee that spews vitriol on a daily basis on twitter and they're just
0: nasty they're just, just nasty and the nasty, executive nasty. director
1: has a bowl cut
0: how do you respect someone
1: that He's has like a, a 40 cut?
0: year old justin bieber Ugh. it's like
1: okay sorry Anna. so how does the medicare for all plan from center american progress differ from my boy bernie sanders plan?
0: and i not like i don't know that much about bernie's plan to like say if i like it or not i just know that it's like it's expensive. It's it's expensive. it's expensive and it's a pretty and it's radical kind of, overhaul. and it's like idealistic. It's expensive and idealistic. Right. And and what it mainly serves as, my impression is, it is a litmus test for democratic candidates in twenty twenty. Ooh, you heard it first, Anna Walton. That has been widely reported. Oh, I, didn't know I that. just read the news. New, she consumes. I lots just of news. read the news a lot. So basically, uh, people who previously were not on this universal. Well, they were maybe on the universal health coverage train, but not on the single payer train. Signed on as co-sponsors to Bernie Sanders' plan, and pretty they fear, much they feel the t- They feel the tides change. T- changing. Yeah, exactly. That's how we see the twenty twenty candidate field pretty much on the Democratic front. Okay, Medicare but extra for all. The Center for American Progress isn't is a is a think tank where they are doing this research and they have all the planned out about how you're going to pay for it and all that kind of stuff. They have and a few more math interns. <laughs> Yeah, and, and Actuaries are actu,
1: Actuary people involved in this one. Yeah, okay.
0: And, I mean, this... Okay, so this isn't specific to the plan, but Bernie I feel Sanders like... Bernie Sanders interns
1: are involved in the hemp campaigns I and mean, probably on Boulder's <laughs> campus.
0: <laughs> no offense, Bernie. I love No, you. I'm sure he, he has me. very smart people working for him. And, Ooh. like, I, mean, I don't... I'm just partial to this plan. I don't know why. I have a lot of questions about it. It's not that I think it's perfect, but it just seems more incremental to me and you know i love incrementalism so Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. this part i thought was really interesting because i think it prefaces the need for and i'm going to talk about some other plans but it prefaces the need for this type of plan so this is from the conclusion of the center for american progress medicare extra for all plan okay our society will be judged by how it treats the sickest and the most vulnerable among us. Healthcare is a right, not a privilege, mm-hmm. because our positions in life are influenced a great deal by circumstances at birth and beyond birth. The lottery of life is unpredictable and outside of one's control. America, the most powerful and wealthiest nation in the history of civilization, has endured a long journey spanning decades to fulfill these principles. The country has slowly added step upon step toward universal health coverage. The ACA was a giant step, and the sustained political fight over the law showed that the American people want to expand coverage, not repeal it. Yep. It is now time to guarantee universal coverage and health security for all Americans. Preach! So we can debate over how we're going to get there, how this program is going to be paid for, what the exact premiums are, what year it's going to start, all that kind of stuff. But like, I really don't have time or patience for anyone who doesn't agree with what I just said. <laughs> 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 Sorry, that was like the most intolerant thing I've ever said. But
1: wow. I mean, really, Y'all, like, the I closet, just... closet, once again, we are in Anna's closet and it is getting lit. I've never seen Anna this ferocious in my life.
0: I'm really passionate about healthcare. I mean, it's what I studied and everything. And and I just, like, really think that if you can't agree on that, like, sure, we can debate on, you know, clinical pathways. And, I mean, you can get down to the minutia of it all to see, like, what things are worth and how we should pay for services. And it can get ugly. And it can get deep in the economics of it and everything. And I I totally get that. But, like, if we're not from the base, like, we're not coming from the right place. Like, if you're still with Seema Verma saying that... (laughs) health, or, or that work makes people healthier than, like. <laughs> okay, for those of you don't know, like, Seema Verma
1: is the head of CMS, Center for Medicaid Services, in the country, and
0: she is. Insane. I'm sorry. Fun? <laughs> yeah, she seems like a great person to be around. She seems, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, but I'll post all the, I'll post the summaries of all these plans. So basically. All it, right, so we're be, done talking
1: about CAP.
0: Yeah, you we're talking else? about them. All right, so
1: what's the next one on the table?
0: Okay, so there are. Let's see. Okay, the next one is this new bill that I found very interesting. It's called Choose Medicare Act, and it's a group of Democratic senators who introduced this, and they would open up Medicare to anyone who wants it and isn't already eligible for Medicare or Medicaid. So basically, a but Medicaid that wouldn't eliminate the private insurance company. The
1: private insurance.
0: No, but it would be a Medicare buy-in, basically to get the people that are in the coverage gap. Uh, if you're on, if you're not eligible for Medicare and Medicaid. Uh, so this is even more incremental because people think things are crazy, uh, you know? That is good stuff. So though. it's it's kind of like it's a stopgap. Like it's not obviously the it's, end goal right. but but we're never gonna reverse like you saw what happened last year. Well maybe some people did. In twenty seventeen. They tried to eliminate the individual market. They tried to eliminate Medicaid expansion, and they're still trying with work requirements yep. and things like that. Yep. But at the same time, like, once people get coverage, it's so hard to take it back. So... This is an incremental Any incremental stuff. Like, if you have just even... Uh, and, you know, and then there's also another um, another plan that allows states to create a buy-in to Medicaid. So it would be up to the state if they had a statewide buy-in. And I know there's always already statewide buy-ins to um to the state employee plans. So that's that's kind of in the same realm as that, but it would be a public insurance program. So
1: do you think a health insurance overhaul or the way our health our health system overhaul will be defined by the federal government, not the state?
0: Oh for sure. Because okay. they're the biggest payer by God. a lot. So they have a lot yeah. more leeway for negotiation. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And one thing I liked about the CAP plan, the Center for American Progress, is that they took almost all of the leeway out of the administration because that was one bad part about the ACA. It was that there was like thousands of mentions or hundreds of mentions of um, the HHS secretary. It, it, it left too much discretion to the administration. So they're trying to really take it out of the hands um, of you know this, uh, the acting secretary, which I thought was a good So if you are in all of our listeners
1: uh, in Oregon, Connecticut, uh, New Mexico, Hawaii and Virginia, Colorado, Michael Bennett, Lauren, I'm talking about you, Lauren, my BFF from graduate school, uh, go ahead and give them a call and say you support these plans if you do.
0: Yeah, and there's also some really cool research that I think we should all be looking out for and watching um, from Sarah Cliff at Vox, especially she's working on. Pain. Shut if out my girl!
1: Never
0: email No uh, big Sarah deal. Cliff.
1: You never answer my emails, but uh, just know that I still love you. So <laughs> I'm not holding any grudges over here in Nashville. No, we're not bitter at all. We're not bitter Please at come all. back. Please come back. But, you messaged me once,
0: but that's okay. <laughs> right? Yeah, she's working on this really cool payment project um, because that is that is basically you know everyone wanted to blame it on like higher utilization rates and mm. and higher specialization and these are all factors. They're all small. They're all small factors, but a lot of other modern countries have the same factors. Our biggest one is price, 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 price. Like our prices are higher. We never know like what they are when they are and with with having so many payers with the in, with the private insurance companies and the and the government it just makes it all it's just so convoluted and she's working on a really cool price project and she has some really cool reporting that I'll put in the show notes but just to like put this on a
1: like to take it back to a granular level when you when you get a new job you don't ask about different providers. You know, say you're offered Aetna. You don't say, well, what does Blue Cross Blue Shield offer this? I mean, you're not given an option. There's no yeah. options when you sign yeah.
0: up. From from that level to then down to, like, price shopping for different things, and particularly if you have higher healthcare needs, like, that would be exhausting to yeah. have to shop for all those services. Like, I'm as exhausted finding a dentist. Like, I mean, I can't even imagine, And you know, because I don't get dental coverage. And that's another big thing about all of these plans well not all of these plans the cap plan and Bernie's plan is that dental envision would be included which mm. even in Medicare they're not included. Right. So um that that is a something that I think that we should um, we should think more holistically about health and I think those things are included. All right final thoughts. Anna Walton. All right Grit's Gratitude Corner, here we are
1: we have finally made it to the is this our third? Third yeah, episode. Third vlog episode. Third yeah. episode. Two months later, we are ready <laughs> for the Grid's of Gratitude Corner, and Anna and I individually decided that we would shout out our boyfriends because they have been so wonderful and kind. Uh, and I'm and so I'll start, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really grateful for my boyfriend for the emotional support uh, the past two months. He. Has just been, you know, I, am, I can be a little reckless and a lot of my professional world is foreign to me. So he has helped me navigate these waters with um, just kindness and hugs and lots of love. And I'm so grateful for that. I also want to shout out his cat, Lily. <laughs> she is the angry sister, the sassy sister I wish I never had. However, she is so cuddly. Um, she has peed on me once, so we are working our way to a normal relationship, uh, golden showers, East Nashville style, that's where that was. Uh, but she she's so cuddly and I'm so grateful I love having a little pet around as, as the pod as the listeners on the pod know I am unable to take care of animals um, because I live a very busy lifestyle and obviously have this podcast Anna does it I mean effortlessly she takes care of two cats and does the podcast but I'm not there yet uh, so i just like to shout out Lily and also a quick funny anecdote about the boyfriend he went to a <laughs> conference in New Orleans and uh, I uh, was scheming with a few of the attendees on the trip who uh, caravanned with him down from Nashville to New Orleans. And so on the way back, he... Um, or, sorry, the the convener texted me and said, Hey, listen, we want to pull a prank on, on your boyfriend. Can you send him a, a kind of sexy, sexy text? Because, lo and behold, his phone... <laughs> His phone was plugged into the the van and so it read word by word the text message. So it was about 3:30 on a Monday and I texted him kind of a sexy text and he, <laughs> and I'll just and I'll just recall the the uh message from the girl who planned it but she said he he reached Across the aisle, pulled the cord out, said no, no 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 and everyone in the car just broke out in laughter. So, anyways, a little you know a little prank never goes unnoticed or unappreciated. So but I'm very <laughs> grateful for my boyfriend and his friends and Lily the tabby cat. Anna, who you grateful for?
0: So on the same note, I'm grateful for my boyfriend. And <sharp inhale> this was actually his suggestion that I mention him. <laughs> Because he was steaming my work clothes while I was preparing for the podcast, which is just you know grade A boyfriend material. There, we are about to celebrate three and a half years this That's a week. Long time. Yeah, so it's it, we've you been could through have a lot. Pregnant, Had a baby during that. <laughs> but yeah, I feel we have developed um, a very good dynamic, and I think it. The world needs more of it. We. Balance things not on gender dynamics, but more on like our needs and wants as a couple. And you know we share household duties, and and um, we care about each other's well being. And you know we have a lot of conversations about emotional labor and decision fatigue and these concepts that I just feel like a lot. Of a lot of couples don't have don't have. And you think that millennial and,
1: couples would have them, but they just don't.
0: And and like it, it's so interesting how these themes like even. You know, in older parents that I know that have really healthy relationships, and my friends' parents and everything, like I still see these same struggles with their mm. lives and how the the women typically carry most of the emotional burden yep. of the not only the relationship but just of the daily life of the couple and and how they kind of just accept that as normal um, to do all the do all the tours and to get ready for the next day and all that kind of stuff. And he really carries the load with me um, and is super caring. And on another note, I've had Pied Piper CS for cookie ice cream like eight times. Like I don't even know what that means. Oh my gosh. It's just their cookies and cream. But I just want to shout it out for anyone in Nashville. Pied Piper is like on it's an ice cream shop in East Nashville. It's actually on my street. Don't be creepy. Pied it, Piper? Yeah, it's like in a house. And it's like a small Is it, a, is ice it an ice cream speakeasy? Kind of. It's like so East Nashville. Like it's so East Nashville. But I had the craving for cookies and cream ice cream the other day. And I was like, we have ice cream on our street. I don't like ice cream. That's another thing. Like I really don't like so it. It
1: takes you it takes a lot for you to get out of the house and go down.
0: Right. Like it would so just never easy. it would just never be on my list of things to do. But if you're in the Nashville area and you haven't had Pied Piper, they sell it or they have it in a lot of desserts at restaurants like local restaurants mm-hmm. around here that have local so they still kind but of but it's 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 homemade it's all homemade and so
1: pied piper whatever. if you're looking for a ringing endorsement and want to subsidize our pod
0: it's why okay <laughs> since i've been training for this half marathon oh i've gained 10 pounds <laughs> is, because i work out and so, so i feel like i deserve causation I feel like, doesn't mean correlation doesn't mean causation i thought that i would lose weight training for a half marathon Little did I know... That but you've also been burning a lot of calories, so you Every have Every time I work out, I yeah. want to eat, like, a lot. And it, it leads to, like, such weird... Like, I don't eat ice cream, but I've been eating ice cream. And I'm not mad about it.
1: Don't be mad about it. You're working hard. You look great. Thank you. So, on that note... Well, on that note, we... Once again... I hate apologizing as a woman because you are constantly apologizing. And also, I've started. Today, someone apologized to me at the yoga studio for walking in front of me. And I said, don't apologize. That is your right. I just think it's like as women, that's a whole other episode, but apolog- apologizing for right.
0: Yeah. Anyways. I had that problem
1: too. Um, but I will apologize because it has been two months that we, this have- is just irresponsible. <laughs> this is just outright irresponsible. We've not recorded in two months and I know our fans, AKA my boyfriend who is our biggest fan, uh, unapologetically, which I'm so grateful, but my mom, uh, my brother and our other three listeners, uh, have been upset so apologies and we are Anna and I are in our schedule we have a we have a Google calendar keeping us accountable it's crazy we have really stepped Next up our level. game so who knows I mean we really don't want to get paid to do this so we don't want to get
0: too good <laughs> <laughs> but eventually... We're you know. actively avoiding payment for the responsibility of <laughs> having to do except, this. except from Pied Piper. Oh, yeah. If you want to us a gift us card... I'm on the street. Card. It's not just Just send hard. us a
1: carton. Bring us down. Oh, yeah. Bring us down, and we'll talk... We'll, we'll, we'll dedicate a special episode, 10 minutes, to each flavor if you send us a carton. <laughs> so we'll go ahead and uh, advertise that. Okay. We love all of you, and we're grateful for you, and we promise to continue... Um, we'll continue this podcast because we know that all of y'all love us and we love you. And, um, this is our way to check in with all of you. And (sighs) thanks for listening.
0: Bye. Bye.